Judy is going to continue uh, speaking to us on our series on the Beatitudes. And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, but it's going to come up on the big screen. If not, uh, we're going to be reading from Matthew 18, starting at verse 21. And it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found well of one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive one another from your heart. Morning, everyone. Uh, So in our series then, you join us if you're visiting in the middle of a series on uh, the Beatitudes of Jesus, the radical teaching of Jesus, the way that he taught us to live differently, and that even today his words have such power and such resonance in our world. Just hearing from Helen today, hearing from Martin today about how mercy is being shown in our city, it gladdens our hearts, doesn't it, because we know we need it uh, now more than ever in our city. And this message of mercy is sort of halfway through the Beatitudes. Jesus has spoken a few Beatitudes really about those who are excluded from society, those who are broken, those who feel marginalized. And if you like, mercy becomes the bridge. It's halfway through. If you've got your booklets, or I know some of you are studying these in life groups, it's about halfway through Jesus' talk on the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And if we could have the uh, first image up on the, on the screen there. Um, I don't know if you can read this tweet, uh, but this was built uh, by somebody in Beirut, and it's called a grudge building. And uh, a guy bought it, he actually bought the flat and then built this for his brother so that his brother could know that the sea was there, but never enjoy it or see it. 
so that's one non-merciful example that we have just this week uh, come across. Uh, a grudge building that says you will not enjoy the view of the beauty of all creation that you have. The second picture, uh, we'll come back to that in a moment, is this one, which to me does look like mercy. If you look carefully what's happening here, that somebody is looking down on someone who is out of luck, who is marginalized, who is in need, and here he sees a mirror back to himself, a little bit like Helen was sharing earlier on, that there but for the grace of God go any of us. And those are two very polarized pictures, aren't they? This first, a wall of absolute grudge of hatred, of deprivation, of saying, no, you can't have that. And whilst we might balk at it, we might react to it, we might think, oh, I would never do that, there is a sense to which every person that we struggle to forgive, we've done a bit of that, haven't we? That actually we've built a bit of a wall. We don't like it when things go well for them. We find it hard perhaps to celebrate when there are good things going on for them. Two different examples. And Jesus said, love your enemies. Very, very tough for us. Uh, In today's world, we will always have enemies, and we do. And yet he says, love them. Be merciful to them. But he also says this, love your neighbor as yourself. And I used to think that was as much as yourself, because that's pretty hard, isn't it? You know, as much as we love ourselves, because on the whole, we were born selfish. So actually, to love our neighbor as ourselves requires quite a lot of God's love in us. But actually, if you read commentaries on that statement, it means as if they were yourself, as if you were part of them. So if you like, it's the mirror reflecting back. It's saying we are one that actually we are one world, one body, and therefore we love as we would care for ourselves. If we were in need of a food bank parcel, if we were in need, that that is how we reciprocate. And that's tough, isn't it? I mean, I think it's really tough, but this is the teaching of Jesus. It would have been tough then, and it's tough now. But the good news is that actually we will be given that care. If we look at the message paraphrase of this verse, it says, you are blessed when you care, for at the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. I really like that, a different way of looking at the same verse, that actually when we care, actually there is a provision for us within it. It's a reciprocal blessing that Jesus is talking about. And mercy is not a very frequently used word anymore, is it? It used to be very, very frequent in our language. Comes interestingly from the original French, merci. Nice little accent for you there. Um, Merci, which means thank you. That we are a thankful people, and as we are thankful, it changes everything, doesn't it? Because once we know God's kindness and his mercy for us, it changes our heart towards others. If we are a thankful people, and many of you I know have tried this, and this is something over my sabbatical that God really spoke to me about, the prayer of examine every day, beginning and ending with thanks. And it can change us. It can change us in terms of our grudges that we might have, the unforgiveness that we might hold on to. And Shakespeare talks about that. I thought we'd have a bit of culture this morning, if that's all right. A little bit of Shakespeare. And there's a brilliant speech that Portia gives in The Merchant of Venice, where she does this absolutely fantastic soliloquy, which is a plea to the judge against Shylock to say, please show mercy. And she's doing it pretending to be a lawyer. She's dressed up. 
And in that beautiful speech, she ends saying that actually none of us could stand. That in the court of justice, if we were judged in ourselves, none of us could stand. She even says, consider this, that in a court of justice, none of us would see salvation. We do pray for mercy, and that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. And Shakespeare really was fascinated about the theme of forgiveness. Uh, through many of his plays, the history plays and even the comedies, there's something about this, this extravagant grace, this mercy that he read in scripture that fascinated him. And the parable that Sarah read for us, this parable that almost resonates with that uh, soliloquy that says, actually, we have been shown so much grace, like the first guy led off so much. It was in the millions and billions of dollars back then that the first guy in the parable was let off by the, uh, by the ruler. And yet he quibbles over what would have been $15 in the denarii equivalent. Incredible. And yet, aren't you and I a little bit like that sometimes? I know for myself in my life, there have been two people, it's been very, very hard for me to forgive, and it's been a lifetime journey sometimes of surrendering. But actually, I do know that I'm free of it. However, I can wrangle about the smallest of things. Isn't that the truth? That actually the big stuff we've almost perhaps dealt with with God's help, but there can be little niggles that we can hang on to. And this parable and this, this uh, beatitude challenge us that we are so loved, so forgiven, so made whole by the grace of God. Why would we hold anything back? And it's tough. It's a tough message the Pope, in his Easter message, said this, God's mercy can make even the driest land become a garden. It can restore life to dry bones. There is dryness, there is aridity where we can't show mercy, where we can't forgive. And I love this one. I wish I had the source of it, but I don't. Be kind, for everyone we meet is facing a battle we know nothing about. The people that we rub up against at work or in our streets or in the car or wherever, everyone is facing a battle of some sort. And when we push out and when we punish and when we misbehave, it's because of some greater pain within us. Many, many times in our lives, isn't it? And we would hold our hands up if we were honest, that we are imperfect, and yet we expect perfection from others so often, don't we? That actually the standard that God has set for us is grace, is forgiveness, is love. But actually, he expects that. And at the end of the parable, it's a bit shocking, isn't it? That he says, actually, you've been shown mercy, and there is punishment for those who cannot show the same and accept his forgiveness. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Why? Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. It's humbling but really true. Uh, the lovely Andy Worthington, who some of you will know, one of our trustees, uh, was driving home late uh, a couple of weeks ago, one night, and uh, he was driving home alone from speaking somewhere, and he saw a guy on the side of the road hitchhiking with a sign, Birmingham. And Andy lives in Birmingham, that's where he was going, it was a cold and horrible night, and that's where he was headed. And he drove past. And, you know, he's one of the kindest people you could ever meet, if you know Andy Worthington, but he drove past um, because he was caught up in his own stuff, like many of us would have done. And actually, as he got to the next turn-off, he felt this awful feeling 
that he'd let that guy down in some way, that he could have shown him kindness, that he was going that way. And so what he did is he came off, turned around, went back up a junction and came back and he said, God, if the guy is still there, then you obviously want me to give him a lift. Probably secretly in some ways, if he was me anyway, thinking, let's hope he's gone, let's be honest. But he did it anyway. But sure enough, the guy was still there, holding on to the sign, Birmingham. And he let him in the car and he drove him to Birmingham. And he ended up not only swapping details with him, but finding out this guy's story. This guy used to be a Christian growing up, but had moved right away from faith, but on the side of the road had prayed a prayer, God, if you're real, send someone to help me because his mother was dying in the QE. And it makes me emotional just talking about it. And because Andy heard God's mercy towards him, his prompting, the kindness that God asked of us, he went back round and that guy got to the QE and I think he actually took him to the ward itself, went the extra mile. And there's something beautiful in that story that makes me hungry for those moments that we might miss. Those moments of mercy that I believe God's put in our diaries. <laughs> and actually, if we're rushing, like me often, uh, actually sometimes we can miss those. And that's something, again, that over sabbatical, God's challenged me on. To be in the moment, to be present, to look for those moments. Because what a wonderful story of mercy comes as a result. At the end of the parable that Sarah read, we hear this, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Some of you will remember I went to work with some uh, refugees on a drama project up in the north with Adrian Plass, and uh, we had a whole conference on forgiveness. And if you remember the story, there was one woman <coughs> who stood up and testified to the incredible forgiveness that she'd been able to find for her husband, <coughs> who was a paedophile, who went to prison, who took his own life in prison, and who had abused both of her children. And this lovely Scottish lady stood there in front of all of us, and she said, I don't know how he's done it, but God somehow has given me enough forgiveness in my heart. She said, I was so angry with him for taking his life, and suicide can be something that's very hard to forgive in your family <clears throat> because it says you're not enough. So people really, really can be angry about that. But she let it go, and you could see it in her. I looked at her, and I thought, you are free. But then a lady got up, and I mean, it was just so ironic. She got up, and she said, ah, I agree with that, brilliant, but here's the story. And you think, wow, you know, that's going to be some story if it's coming after that. And she said, I was doing a bazaar. I had a table all set out for some... Uh, uh, gifts for the children to buy and somebody took my table while my back was turned to use it for something else and the fury in her as she told this tale and this was just after we'd had this lovely lady and the anger in her and she said some things surely then Adrian are beyond forgiveness aren't they and that was, her, that was completely her reality. She had lost perspective, and that was her reality. That, yes, you could forgive this abusive husband in this situation, but surely not the table. Now, I drove away just thinking, what is wrong with people? But then God gently said to me, but aren't you a bit like that, Judy? You know, we can forgive the big stuff sometimes and then niggle over the most stupid stuff. That actually, that's our trajectory every day. 
And we can be both those people. We can be the one that is free, the one that thinks, I, I wish everyone well, I love everyone, and then someone cutting me up in the car, and that can be the thing that drives me mad. Sorry if I've showed road rage. I've got better, I think, with my road rage. Uh, but we can all have those things. We can all have those things that block it. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged to, me to. So shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? I want to finish with a story, uh, really, that I think illustrates that very well. I don't know if you have anxiety dreams. Uh, many of us do when we're under pressure. I have two. One is that I'm teaching, and my, I'm invigilating an exam, and all my pupils have sat there, and I've taught them the wrong paper. And they all turn the paper over, and they look at me and go, Miss Moore, we've got completely two years of wasted knowledge. And I just spiral down. I don't know what that means, but if you're good at dream interpretation, you can tell me. Uh, the other one is where you go to prison for something you haven't done. And that is a very common anxiety dream, incidentally, that you're punished for something and you end up in prison. As some of you know, I've spent quite a bit of time visiting prisons on the other side of things, and it's not a place I would particularly like to be. So that would be a dream for me. But this happened to a man in America uh, who was called Jin Jimmy, and he went to prison for something he categorically didn't do. And he went because a 12-year-old boy, under pressure, coerced, had testified against him. And the court sent him to prison. And Jimmy went to prison for 37 years. Now, you imagine 37 years in prison, bad enough if you've done the deed, but if you haven't, can you imagine the inner wrestling that would go on in every heart? But he did well in prison, and he kept his heart towards God, he kept his heart kind, and then... I think it was about 24 years after he was fulfilling his sentence, the boy had grown into a man, and the guilt of that false testimony had weighed with him his whole life. And he went forwards and he said, I lied about it. That man is innocent. I was coerced. And suddenly, Jimmy is set free. And he's face to face with the 12-year-old boy who's grown into a man. And actually, instead of bitterness, instead of anything that all of us would feel, he loves him, he embraces him, and he says, I've prayed for you for the guilt you must have felt of lying. And actually, they begin a mentoring relationship. Astounding. And there will be stories that each of us know, like that one, that says we deserve, if you like, like the, the unforgiving servant, we deserve punishment. But God, in his mercy, in his love, in his faithfulness to us, has given us grace. He's given us gratitude, thinking back to mercy. Even the Hebrew word mercy means womb of God. It's from the very, very first thing that ever was in God was mercy. It was birthed in our world. And actually, he's called us, if we're followers of Jesus today, and even if we're not, he's called us to be merciful, I believe. And maybe today you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe this is perhaps your first time in church for a while. I don't know. But what I would say is this mercy is for everyone. This forgiveness is for everyone. It found me at the age of 19 when I was so far from God and so totally disbelieving that he would ever, ever save someone like me. And he did. And he changed my whole life around. His teaching, these mercy teachings, these beatitude teachings, have radically shaped 
my whole life. And I would just say to you, it's the best decision I ever made, the best decision I ever made to actually accept his grace, his forgiveness, because I knew, like we hear in the Porsche monologue, I knew in myself I couldn't stand. And whether our sins are great this morning, whether we feel that we've offended God greatly, or whether we feel, Do you know what, I'm quite a good person. I'm sat here thinking, I'm not sure I even need this mercy. Scripture and history and reality show us that every single one of us do. So I wonder if you would just stand with me, and I'd love to pray for us. And then uh, as the, the band come back up, there will be prayer uh, where the lovely banner is saying, try praying. Can I encourage you? This is tough stuff to deal with on your own. Take it as someone who's had to have help with this. And uh, I would just encourage you to... Go and make things right, to pray that prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe if there's someone you're struggling to forgive, to just get one of our prayer team to pray with you. Or if it's too painful to do that and you'd like to do it just with the person next to you, then of course that's okay. So let me just pray for us. Lord, thank you that... uh, Halfway through this brilliant teaching on the Beatitudes, you said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And Lord, we don't want to be like the first guy who built the grudge wall to stop others enjoying this life you've given. We long to be like the second guy who saw a reflection of himself, who loved his neighbor as himself, as an extension of himself. And Jesus, we pray that we would be a merciful people We pray that we would have love, even for those who make life difficult for us, even for those who have really hurt us and harmed us along the way. Lord, we give you our pain. And we're not saying those things should have happened because many of them were very evil things that have happened to us. But we are saying we will not let it hold us back anymore. By your grace, by your mercy, Do a miraculous work in every heart here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.